It is always a pleasure to be here. I was uh, mentored under Brother John Bell and Brother uh, David Bell, and so anytime that I'm able to come back and just share in the fruit of what the Bells have uh, done in obedience to the Lord, it's just a great joy for me to be here and reconnect with some of the friends and family. If you have your Bibles open with me this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 4. I have a confession to make. I am somewhat insecure. And as soon as I finish preaching, I'm going to ask my wife, how did I do, right, Brother Mason? (laughs) And I do that every Sunday, and I hope that she says, hey, you did pretty good. That's what I hope. And I have had the opportunity to rub shoulders with, I, I perceive to be giants of the faith. People like Brother John Bell and David Cook and others. And I've discovered that in moments, they have shown that they too are insecure. But what I've discovered that separates them from me or that makes them better than me in this is that they have early on discovered the necessity to be wrapped in Scripture, to find an identity in Christ, to echo what Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me, and to be so identified with what God is calling them to do that any trace of insecurity just seems to just slip away. And my hope today, my calling today, in the verses that we're going to be reading, is I am hoping to challenge you with scriptures in hand, with the Great Commission on our gates, that we will become bold as the Acts of the Apostles. So I have some overheads here, some scriptures that, if you're able to follow along with me, I'm going to give you the big idea, which is our message is a message of the kingdom of God. It's not a political statement here on earth as much as it is we represent a king. The king is the owner of everything. And because we are ambassadors of his kingdom, boldness is required. This Greek word, parhesia. Now this morning I want to convince you that boldness, and I'm going to be talking about that, is not to be confused with belligerence. Belligerence is where you stand against authority having no authority. You're just a rebel. You're belligerent. But boldness is from the position of authority, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that you have been given a voice within the kingdom, you have boldness. Now for the message today that I'm going to teach you, it just won't make a great deal of sense unless I lay some precepts. And so the first precept I want you to understand is that God established eight covenants. We know six of them pretty well, the Adamic, Noahic, Abrahamic, Moesaic, Davidic, and finally the Messianic covenant. And in each one of these covenants, human beings, you and I, were given greater authority on earth. Each covenant gave humans greater authority on earth. The hill of the woman, or the seed of the hill of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. After that, Noah's flood Man was the ones that were responsible. Blood of man would be required. God was not going to destroy. And on down. So man has been given, and it leads up to this idea that with each covenant, man has been given greater responsibility over matters here on earth, culminating on the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, having absolute authority on heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Son of Man, was given authority here on earth. 
God led it up to that, that when Christ would come, second precept is that we have been made co-heirs with Christ. In Romans 8, 17, it says that. We find out Jesus said that we are, he is the firstborn of many brethren. And what makes us co-heirs with Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 1, and Ephesians 1, it is this first installment of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. I am sealed with an identity in Christ because I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in me, he's going to quicken my mortal bodies and I will be in heaven where he is. That's one thing that distinguishes us from every religion in the world. How else can the Holy Spirit live within a man except that Jesus Christ's blood purifies the inner man, making room for the Spirit of God to dwell within him? Third precept, the man has authority on earth through the Holy Spirit to bind and to loosen. Matthew chapter 18, 18 through 20, it says that. He breathed on his disciples. He says, you'll have authority. Whosoever sins you remit, they'll be remitted. Whatever you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth, it will be loosened in heaven. And here is the fourth precept. And if you'll allow me to tie a whole bunch of things together, the last precept here is God intended and intentionally shaped the human consciousness of man through four human Gentile empires, the Babylonian, Persian, Greek, and the Romans. We find that in Daniel, when King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And there were four kingdoms, and the last kingdom we know to be the Roman Empire, the kingdom of iron and clay, and during this kingdom, the Messiah would be born. And today, Western civilization is shaped by the consciousness that God allowed these Gentile nations. Babylonians, they introduced this absolute idea of assimilation and then the Persians they brought about integration and it was the Greeks that brought about independent thought and philosophies and it was during the Roman Empire hear me where man was given the idea to speak up and be heard what we call the vote the senate and and being heard God laid this all down that when the Messiah would come during this kingdom of iron and clay Men would have the boldness to be able to speak and to communicate this gospel message to their fellow man. Therefore, salvation, it becomes for us a choice. And therefore, the commission must be us going, speaking. Daniel G. Peterson in the book, Acts of the Apostles, in page 194, he conveys this idea of the word boldness under the Roman rule. This is what the Romans introduced. This word boldness does not exist in the Hebrew language. It is something that was adapted from Greek thinking, adapted into the Greek language, and it was put into perfection by the Roman Empire. It describes the right of the citizens to say anything in the public assembly, openness to truth, and the courage of openness or candor. Today, our ideology is based upon Western civilization, thought given to us by the Roman Empire, freedom of speech. Now, I'm headed somewhere with this boldness in the book of Acts. This word, parhesia, parhesian, four times in the book, three times in the chapter four of Acts, two times in Acts chapter nine, one time in Acts chapter 13, one time in Acts chapter 14, one time in Acts chapter 18, one time in Acts chapter 19, one time in Acts chapter 26, one time in Acts chapter 28, this Roman Greek word, boldness, speaking out with authority, not belligerence, with authority, having authority. 
So let's unpack the passages this morning. Acts chapter 4 and begin with verse 13. And if you have your cell phones, you may want to take some pictures of some of the things that I'm going to be bringing out here today. If you want my notes, I can give them to you afterwards. Acts chapter 4, 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. Something struck this council, this Jewish council that was telling them to not preach in the name of Jesus. So they had healed somebody in the temple courts. and They were being arrested, kept overnight, brought before the council. And the council wanted them to stop preaching using this name. But when they saw the boldness that Peter and John had, and they could see that they were ordinary men, as if they should have no authority, a ranking somehow in the systems of this world. It didn't, they didn't fit into that category of the systems of this world ranking, but they, they had a boldness, they had an authority, they had this Roman speech idea. I will be heard because a message that I have can save people's lives. They were unlearned men. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And something about them caused them to see that they had been with Jesus. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I said I was insecure. And one thing that I found out about these mighty men of God is that their identity changes when they're with the scriptures, with the Jesus of the scriptures. When they identify themselves with the presence of the Holy Spirit, it changes. And these men came boldly before the council because they had been with Jesus. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 29... And now, O oh Lord, the apostles begin to cry out and the 5,000, apparently 5,000 people that came to know Christ because of this miracle that took place there at the temple entrance or the temple court, they begin to cry out and now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching the word. This is my one prayer out of this message for you today, that God would give us a boldness because the message that we have that is birthed by the Spirit of God echoed through the Scriptures, it saves lives. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, and after this prayer, after that they had prayed this, the meeting place began to shake. A physical, tangible of this world thing began to take place. The meeting began to shake the place around them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And from there they left and they preached the word of God with boldness. Three things I'm going to touch on this morning. One, we preach a message that inspires boldness. Pastor Matt this morning, he, he stirred the spirit that was within me. Pastor Chad this morning, he stirred the spirit that is within me. The message, because it changes lives, people are going to hell without this message. It inspires something. The spirit of God in us yearns to be communicated to a world that is lost and dying out there. Can I hear an amen on that? It yearns for boldness. Acts chapter 4, 8 through 12, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And as if to add boldness on boldness, for Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures where it says, 
The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Our message, it inspires boldness. A billowing. This river that wells up, it must be communicated. And as I said earlier, I believe that God orchestrated the global consciousness through these four Gentile empires to bring the human positioning of listening and thinking in such a way that when the Spirit of God could come into a man and the boldness of man could be spoken out, that man could reason and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It inspires boldness. Secondly, we face opposition and because there's opposition, it requires for us boldness. Amen. Pastor Chad said that earlier today. There is this subversive thing rising up against the church, an attempt to silence the word of God. And, and it is you and I, the commission, it, it stands on us. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to change that, to push back on this. And I'm going to talk about that here this morning. The pushing back on this opposition in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. So they called the apostles back in after they had conferred. They couldn't deny the miracle had already taken place. 5,000 people had come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because they had seen the miracle take place in the courtyard. They couldn't really on any legal basis do anything to these apostles. So they called the apostles back in and they commanded as if they had some type of an authority to command and uh, they, they think their authority is greater than the authority of God. Peter already declared, we're not going to be silent on this. But they commanded them to never again to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. And we read earlier, Peter says, I, I, I cannot, but please, my Lord. Again, as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but he who lives within me. It's Christ. We identify ourselves with him, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's the spirit that lives within me. I want to introduce you to an author. He uh, born 1932, passed away in 1996, Edwin Friedman, Edward Howard Friedman. He was an ordained rabbi, and he was a family therapist, and he was a leadership consultant. He consulted, actually, with political figures in Washington, D.C. He lived there for 35 years, and uh, he uh, was a founder of Bethesda Jewish Congregation. If you've ever read some of his books, he, he's the author of Friedman Fables, and some of his writings later was picked up by a different publicist. And in 1986, he wrote the excerpts that became the book Failure of Nerve in 1986. And he also authored Generations to Generations. And in 2006, his Failure of Nerve 1986 was published in 2006. Now, I believe that there is a frontal attack against the church. And God is not taken by surprise by that. In fact, he has given us the equipment to do so. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Moses said, Lord, I'm not going to lead these people into this wilderness unless you go with me. And the Lord gave him the angel of the Lord. And today we, we don't want to take on any particular task if the Holy Spirit's not with us. And something better, bigger and better than the angel of the Lord is with us. But let me tell you what Friedman says. For terrorism to triumph. And terrorism is anybody who is causing fear, terror. And there is, in my opinion, a spiritual domestic terrorism effort against the church today. And I'm, I'm going to tell you how we're going to overcome this. 
Friedman says, this was back in 1986, the one terrorizing, the reason why terrorism continues to triumph is because, number one, the terrorist believes that he can get away with it. He's convinced he can keep doing it. Now, he was a family therapist, and he says some families just let the two-year-old terrorize the family. Three-year-old terrorize the family. Because that two- and three-year-old just believes he can get away with it. Secondly, he says, is that those that are supposed to stop it give an unreasonable faith to reason. An unreasonable faith. Well, if we could just reason with the two-year-old. If we could just reason with the three-year-old. Well, it's just a matter of time if we reason and reason and reason and reason. And he says this, that those that are supposed to stop this terrorism from happening, they give an unreasonable faith to reason. Let's just negotiate. Yeah, let's negotiate abortion. How do you negotiate that? Abort half of a baby? A quarter of a baby. There's no room for negotiation in this. They give unreasonable faith to reason the last for terrorism to continue to triumph. Those that are responsible to stop him or her or stop it, they simply lack the will to do so. That's why the Holy Spirit has given us boldness. Let's, let's unwrap that. First of all, for terrorism to triumph one, the one terrorizing believes that he can get away with it. Notice what Friedman says here. Again, this was in 1986, and it's an excerpt from his book, A Failure to Nerve Leadership in the Age of the Quick Fix. It has been my impression, he says, that at any gathering, whether it be public or private, those who are quickest to inject words like sensitivity, empathy, consensus, trust, confidentiality, and togetherness into their arguments have perverted these humanitarian words into power tools to get others to adapt to them. This is the attack against the church. You're just simply not sensitive enough. As Pastor Matt said earlier today, the gospel message just simply offends our flesh. And the Bible tells us there's this great war. The spirit that is within me is at war with my flesh. So they tell us that if we really want to be good people, good humans, we've got to be more sensitive. And I'm here to tell you, how do you become more sensitive when people are going to hell without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? In Acts chapter 4, 19 through 21, but Peter and John, they replied, do you think, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally, but they finally, but they finally let them go because they did not know how to punish them without starting a riot for everyone was praising God. Let me unwrap that second. For terrorism to triumph, those that are supposed to stop them give an unreasonable faith to reason. Again, boldness is the vantage point of authority. Belligerence is when you just oppose authority having none. Here, look at what Friedman, again, in the same book, he says, the colossal misunderstanding of our time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. Communication does not depend on syntax or eloquence or rhetoric or articulation, but on emotional context, the deep, the cries out to the deep. The Spirit of God that is already drawing you into the truth enables me to speak the truth to you. That's why I need to start on my knees crying out to God. It's from the context that the inner man wants to be healed. 
That's why Pastor Matt, after suffering under my PE teaching at King's Academy, his therapist did a really good job bringing him back to emotional health after I suffered him in in, uh, King's Academy PE. But notice this, people are insecure. People know that there is an ultimate destiny, that this life is but temporal. And there is this emotional connection where they are trying their very best. And even though Friedman was not a believer in Christ, he was a rabbi, he understood this, that the deep longing of man is asking for answers, and there is no answer except that answer that we find in Jesus Christ. So let me read that again. Communication does not depend on syntax or eloquence or rhetoric or articulation, but on the emotional context in which the message is being heard. People can only hear you when they are moving towards you, and they are not likely when your words are pursuing them. Even the choicest words lose their power when they are used to overpower. Now listen to me. The Holy Spirit draws them. No one comes except the Spirit draw. They're not running from the gospel. The Holy Spirit is already at work drawing them too. That's why the gospel message works when the Holy Spirit is starting to draw people towards himself and we become the messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Attitudes are the real figures of speech. Boldness changes the world. This council in Jerusalem, when they saw that these Peter and John, they were unlearned men, but yet they had something inside of them that was truth. They knew that they had been with Jesus. Acts chapter 4, 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Every great revival starts with us being on our knees Stopping the terrorism of the devil's attack against us. Finally, let me unwrap this last on this particular point for terrorism to triumph. Those that are supposed to stop him lack the will to do so. This is the last quote again out of the same book. Anyone who wishes to advance our species or an institution, the church, must possess those qualities which those who have little sense of self will perceive as narcissistic. What does that mean? That no matter what I say, in confidence that God is the one and only way to eternal life, they will call us narcissistic. Besides that, they'll call us arrogant, headstrong, narcissistic, and cold will be the terms that they'll use against any person who tries to be more himself or herself. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. A couple of days back, well, two weeks ago, there was a man... His pointed finger was probably within four inches of my nose, yelling at me, letting me know he was leaving the church. Every accusation under the sun. And then he started attacking my family. The Thompson dynasty is the word he used. Now, I want you to hear me on this. Something inside of me welled up. It wasn't anger. It wasn't belligerence. I said, let me tell you something. My God has made promises to my family. My God made promises to my family because of the faithfulness of my dad. If you've got a problem with that, you take it up with him. And I saw literally a physical change in him. He he, he stepped back. I don't think he was expecting that particular response. 
But there's that kind of an idea that people have that if you stand for what is truth, you're somehow narcissistic, you're arrogant, you're headstrong, you're narcissistic, on and on the list goes. It's simply an attempt to diffuse the strength of the gospel of Jesus Christ that cuts deep to the heart of man and it saves man. In Acts chapter 4, 25 through 28, you spoke long ago. Now, now let me give you the context of the story. They let the apostles, Peter and John, go and they came back to this group of believers. And, the, and they begin to tell the story. Well, we were there. We thought maybe we were goners, you know, but, but they let us go. They, they, they could not raise up against us. And I believe that the apostles woke up to an idea. That God was giving them authority in heaven and on earth. I want you to understand this. I believe the apostles woke up to the idea that they had authority to change this earth. To change the demographical whatever of this world. And, and as they're beginning to just kind of rehash what had happened, they echo like light bulbs came on. It says, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestors, David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. It's not that they have more power than the church. I think the apostles woke up to that idea. It's not that they had more power. They maybe thought that, but they said, but everything they did, not one thing that one government can do on this earth has taken God by surprise, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Therefore, O oh God, give us the boldness to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was conclusive. As if, really, do we have a responsibility here on earth? Is this why these four Gentile nations God put in power to change the consciousness? Is this why these Eight covenants has given man more and more responsibility so that when Christ came, the Spirit of God, he said that, Jesus said that to his disciples, you should be glad, I'm, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, on the third day I'm going to rise again, I'll ascend to the Father, and another, the Comforter will come. Be glad about that. And that's what makes me a co-heir. Christ had the Spirit of God within him. He could see what the Father spoke, and he spoke it. He could see what the Father did, and he did it. And likewise, I can have the Spirit of God within me and I become a co-heir with Christ, does that mean I have authority on heaven and on earth as Christ if I'm a co-heir with him? So I ask myself this question, will I in fact be judged by God by the things that I have allowed? Have I lacked the will to stop the terrorism of my day? Is the church supposed to sit by as our children are being brainwashed into ideologies that will no doubt take them down dark paths. And we often do nothing. Now, hear me. I am not giving permission for belligerence. I'm giving permission for boldness, which is from a position of authority. We must see what the Father is doing. We must do it. That's why every great move of God, it begins on our knees asking God, God, what do you want us to do? Which brings me to the last point. We serve God who desires boldness. Ponder this with me. Will God hold us accountable for what we have allowed to happen around us? Well, whatever we may or may not have done up until now, 
As Pastor Matt says, the scripture, it changes life. The commission that is on our gaze, we believe in that. Therefore, today we must have an absolute infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need to have a measure of the Holy Spirit like never before. And I say what Paul says. I wish that you would speak in tongues even as I do. Because there's something that just happens. Can I give you an observation? When I was a young guy, I saw that Brother David Cook did something. He'd come and preach for me and he'd be greeting people and he'd be walking between people that he would greet and he'd be praying in the Spirit. And I realized that what he was doing was he was filling himself up because he was about to preach and, and he was so full when, when, when he would preach. It was just, and, and between, in his walks, between greeting people, he's just, he's just praying the Spirit up. And that's a pattern that I've adapted from, from the time I wake up on a Sunday morning. I'm, I'm praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. I'm going, get behind this pulpit. And Lord, let it not just be logical and reason. Let it be the deep calling out to the deep. Let the Spirit call out to the Spirit of man that man might be motivated to boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 30. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miracles, signs, and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I close by reminding you of the big idea today. I just want you to know that we are messengers, not of a political, demographical. We are messengers of a king who has a kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have the power and the authority through the Spirit of God to change the world around us. So I'm going to invite you right now, if you will stand with me. Not one thing that has happened is outside of God's control. But if my premise today is true, each covenant has given man greater responsibility. If God intended that Christ would come, born of man, his blood would purify us, giving room for the Spirit of God to dwell within us. If we have been made co-heirs with Christ, God fully intends for us to change things around us. Now hear me, this is balanced with what Jesus says, this kingdom is not of, or my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my disciples would fight for me. I am not suggesting to you that kind of a fight. I'm suggesting to you that we tear down every principality and power that exalts itself against the name of the Lord, and it begins with the thoughts. And we even help our neighbors take captive their thoughts by helping them see clearly that the ultimate goal is for Christ to live in the heart of man. Father, I pray today, stir us, minister to us, We've been empowered by your spirit. We accept the commission. We will preach your word. The world will change. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven until you come again, until we hear the trumpet sound, those who are dead in Christ rising first, and those of us who are alive and remain, that we'd be caught up in the air with you. This is what we have our eyes focused on. We will do our part. Give us great boldness. In the Holy Spirit, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and everybody says, Amen. Amen.